you remember what happened the last time we ate at CeCe's Pizza, right? Are you sure you want to go back there again? Yes. Yes, I do. I'm absolutely sure. I'm positive. Let's go to CeCe's. That's a conversation that took place when I was about seven years old between Miss Kathy and I. Uh, every single year, Miss Kathy would take my sisters and I out to eat on our birthdays. And she would let us pick where we wanted to go eat. And little seven-year-old Perry loved CeCe's Pizza. It was obviously the best restaurant in Greenville at the time. And so that's where I wanted to go eat. And for the first couple of years, that tradition went great. I got to go and eat as many of those wonderful little brownies with the powdered sugar on top. I could have as many as I wanted. I could have the barbecue chicken pizza. It was, it was great. It was wonderful, and I loved it. But then one year wasn't so good. Um, I don't know if I had one too many brownies or if the barbecue sauce didn't exactly settle right, but as the meal was coming to an end, my stomach wasn't feeling too good. And so as we get into the car and we're headed back home, things only get worse. Things started getting really bad, and we actually didn't make it all the way to my house. Miss Kathy had to pull over into the Walmart parking lot, and all the brownies and the pizza that had went down earlier was suddenly coming back up. <sighs> yeah, yeah. And so the next year, where do I want to go? Well, I want to go back to CeCe's. And Miss Kathy tried to talk me out of it. She said, hey, Perry, maybe that's not the best idea. We could go anywhere else. But no, I want to go back to CeCe's. And so we did, we did go back. That's just one example. But I have multiple memories from my childhood of me and my two sisters, Brittany and Courtney, doing things with Miss Kathy. And it's interesting because Miss Kathy, she was not a family member. She was not related to me or Brittany or Courtney. Uh, she wasn't one of our school teachers. We didn't go see her every day at class. She wasn't a neighbor. She didn't live next to us. We didn't see her when we played outside in the yard. She was actually just a member of our church. And yet Miss Kathy made the decision that she wanted to spend time with me and Brittany and Courtney. These three little kids that she's not related to, that she really has no connection with outside of church, she made the decision she was going to spend time with us, whether it's going out to eat for our birthdays or inviting us to her house to watch movies or taking us to a cabin that she had on the river for the weekend so we could swim and have fun. Whatever it was, she decided that she is going to love these three little kids even when they're throwing up in her car. She's going to love us. That's what she decided. There were about 30 people in Maranatha Free Will Baptist Church where I grew up at, and I can only tell you like the names of like four or five of them and just loosely remember what they looked like. But to this day, I still vividly remember Miss Kathy. I can perfectly recall her and her voice and the things that we did because of the time that she spent with us. And I truly think that she believed it was necessary for her to do that. I think she believed it was important and it was valuable for her to spend time with me and my sisters. She never specifically stated that, but I think that that's what she believed in her heart. 
She never said these exact words, but I think that Miss Kathy believed in the same thing that we as a church here at Venture believe in, something that is embodied in one of our core values, something that's on that wall out there. And it's that we value the next generation. We're currently in a series called Living Above and Beyond. And what we're doing is we're taking a look at the five values of our church. In week one, we talked about how we value tearing down walls. And we explained how it's important to remove any obstacle or any barrier that might keep someone from coming to church and eventually to having a relationship with God. In week two, we talked about how we value creating pockets of heaven. We talked about how it's important to take the gospel and the love of Christ out and about with us into the various areas of our life, whether that be work, school, home, wherever. And this week, again, we're looking at that third value. We value the next generation. We're going to be reading out of the book of Deuteronomy today. So if you have your Bibles with you and you would like to, you can go ahead and flip to chapter 4 and then hold a spot in chapter 6. We'll be reading some verses out of both of those chapters today. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay because we give out free Bibles. They're in the lobby. You can grab one or you can follow along on the screen with us. Deuteronomy is essentially a bunch of speeches that Moses gives to the Israelite people. Prior to this, the Israelites had been enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years. And then God miraculously delivers them in a grand display of his power known as the Exodus. And then about 40 years pass where the Israelites are just sort of wandering through the desert. And then they're preparing to enter this new land. And Moses begins to give these speeches. But it's basically a new generation of people. All the people who saw the Exodus happen with their own eyes, they pretty much all died off. And so it's now this new people group. They're ready to enter into this new land found for themselves a new society, uh, a, new, a new home. And Moses begins to give instruction. He shares through chapters uh, 1 through 3 about the stuff that they've encountered in the wilderness, some things that have gone on since the Exodus. And then in chapter 4, picking up in verse 1, he says this. Now, Israel, hear the decrees and laws that I am about to teach you. Follow them so that you may live, and you may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. He tells them they have to keep, they have to keep the commands of God. And then in verse 6, he says, observe them carefully. For this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees. And they'll say, surely this great nation, this nation of Israel, is wise and understanding. So the other nations around you, they'll take note of you as long as you keep these commandments and follow God. And then he says this in verse 9, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. 
a large part of Deuteronomy is Moses just repeating some laws that they had already been given before. You need to do this. You absolutely can't do this. You have to follow God. You, you have to do this. You can't do that. But he says, look, it's not just enough for you to follow God. You also have to teach your children to. It's not just enough for you to have this relationship with the Lord and for you to have as much faith as Abraham. You also have to raise your children, the next generation up, to do the same thing. Moses starts that verse by saying, uh, be careful. And he doesn't specify here, but in other areas of Deuteronomy, he gives warnings that bad things will actually happen if they don't keep the commandments of the Lord, if they don't continue to follow the Lord. And we see multiple examples throughout the Old Testament for the Israelites that, yeah, when they don't follow the commandments of the Lord, bad things do happen. We see that in various places when the children aren't brought up to respect and to honor the Lord, the nation sort of begins to waver away. They fall into idolatry. They begin to worship other gods, other false gods. We see at points that they turn to child sacrifice. They begin to kill their own sons and daughters in some form of twisted worship. We see sexual immorality begin to run rampant. Within the temple of Yahweh, we see things like temple prostitution taking place. We see lots of social injustice going on, mistreatment of the poor. This is like a super long list. I could go on and on. But we see all these horrible things that begin to happen as a whole society begins to uh, really fall apart and fall away from the Lord when the next generation isn't brought up to love and respect and honor God. There are multiple instances in Deuteronomy, where Moses repeats this idea. We're going to read in Deuteronomy 6. Uh, we'll jump over there to verse 5. He echoes this idea. He says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. This is actually the most important commandment to the Israelite people. It's called the Shema, I believe. I don't exactly know how to pronounce that word, uh, but it was regarded as the most important commandment in the Torah. Love the Lord your God with all your being. And there was a really practical way that the Israelite people remember that and taught that to their children. Every single day that they woke up, they'd pray it. And every single day before they went to bed, they'd say that prayer again to remind themselves, hey, this is important, we have to do this, but also to teach their children. The first comparison that immediately came to mind when I read that was brushing our teeth. Parents, we teach our children to do that. Every single morning when they wake up, they're going to brush their teeth. And before they go to bed, they're going to brush their teeth. And by the time our children get older, it's so innately a part of them. But we've taught that to them. And so they know that. And so practically, we see this happening with this commandment. And right after Moses says it, he says, look, impress this on your children. Teach them, make sure that they're learning this, that they're doing this, that they're aware of this. 
We have to raise up our children knowing God, following God, loving God, so that they desire a relationship with him, so that they know that they're loved by him, so that as they get older and they go out and about into the world, whatever challenges may come their way, they're rooted in truth. And so how uh, do we as a church, as Venture, do that? How do we keep that value? Uh, Well, I think primarily in two ways we do that. The first one is that we teach the Bible. We teach the Bible very simply. That's word for word what Moses says to teach the children. Every single Sunday morning, we have children's classes right on the other side of this wall where we teach children from nursery age to fifth grade about the truths of Scripture in a way that they can understand. And so if you have children that age, or you know children in that age range, like you should totally send them over there. This is a plug for Miss Ashley, our children's director, because she's killing the game over there. But we teach them the truths of God. And there's fun, there's crafts and snacks and all those things like that. But most importantly, they're taught scripture. Just like what we're commanded to do. We also have a youth ministry that meets every Sunday afternoon. And every single week, there is a biblical-based lesson Um, that our students are taught. And so from babies to teens, we're teaching them scripture. Why? Why do we do that? Uh, Well, because research shows that the majority of Americans, uh, they can't even list all four of the Gospels. And the majority of Americans can't even list like five of the Ten Commandments. And the majority of Americans can't list like more than two of Jesus' disciples. Uh, So the majority of America really doesn't know a lot of the Bible, and it's disappointing, but why would we expect anything different? Like, if we don't teach them, how would they know? A somewhat embarrassing personal story to demonstrate that fact uh, comes from my life. Growing up, we had sliding glass doors on our showers in our bathroom. And so when I was about like six or seven, we went to a hotel that had a shower curtain. I didn't know what that was. Maybe you know where the story's going. Uh, I went to take a shower, and when I finished my shower, the bathroom floor was flooded. Like, that's strange. That's never happened before. Well, my grandmother had to explain to me, hey, Perry, the shower curtain has to go inside the tub. Like, that's how water doesn't get all over the place. And it blew my mind. Like, I didn't know that. But of course I didn't, because I, I was never taught that. We don't want that for our children our our teenagers, our kids, we don't want them being oblivious to the truth of God's word. So we teach them. We teach them so that as they grow up, they can come back the lies that society is going to be feeding them every single day with truth, scriptural truth, objective truth. That's the first way that we try to live out that value adventure. The second way we try to live out this value of valuing the next generation is by showing love to our children, to our students. And that may sound a a little vague, but there's lots of stories, maybe you've experienced this yourself, Uh, there's lots of stories from people where they've gone to church and then they left and not exactly feeling like welcome or like they were wanted or accepted. Um, Whether it's children's or youth ministry, we have volunteers who specifically take time with students to make the students feel like, hey, I'm seen, I'm heard, I'm known, I'm loved, I'm welcome here, like regardless of where I'm from or what I look like or or, or what I talk like. We have volunteers who specifically 
talk to students when they see them, interact with them, listen to what's going on in their lives, who, who pray for them, who go to students' extracurriculars. But it all goes back to this idea of, hey, I'm going to pour into you. I'm going to love you. Because like Moses says, it's not just enough for us as adults to understand these ideas. We have to teach them to our children. So it's not enough for us to know, hey, I'm loved by God, but I have to show the next generation you are also loved as well. One very specific way that we do this with our middle and high schoolers is by taking them to the Carolina Christian Youth Conference. And so what this is, is an annual event. It happens every February where we bring middle and high schoolers down to Winston-Salem for the weekend from Friday to Sunday. And they get to take part in these huge worship services that are specifically designed uh, to tailor to, to teenagers. And so this past weekend, we got to bring like 28 students to CCYC. It was absolutely amazing. There were like 1,800 people there in total. And they got to hear from selected speakers who have experience speaking to teenagers. They got to have worship led by worship leaders from across the state. It was this really cool uh, opportunity for them to just get away from the distractions of everyday life and draw closer to Christ. On top of that, spiritually, it was also just a time of fun. There's basketball tournaments and volleyball tournaments and talent shows and all sorts of things like that. And is a really, really cool moment for our students. And because I know that a lot of you guys invest in that, whether financially or through prayer or just overall support that, I figured that it would be very appropriate for me to have some students come up here and tell you guys about this past weekend and the experience that happened. So if I could go ahead and have my uh, teenagers who I already talked to come onto the stage here with me, um, and we're going to share a little bit about CCYC. At this point, I was going to have a clip of the talent show, and I forgot to get it on the computer. So thankfully for Carson, he's saying, oh, no, I'm not going to show that clip. But we had three students who did the Cotton Eye Joe on stage in front of 1,800 people, which was absolutely amazing. Um, here's a mic for you, Jacob. Why don't you guys start off? by introducing yourself to the crowd. Uh, share your name, your age, and how many years you've gone to CCYC. My name is Jacob. I am 16 years old, and this was my fifth year going to CCYC. My name is Emery. I'm 14 years old, and this was my fourth year going to CCYC. My name is Silas Woolard, and this is my, let's see, I started in sixth grade. And I'm in 12, six years, six years. There we wow, go. there you go. Six Good years. math skills. Good yeah. job, good job. Uh, so CCYC has some very ludicrous things that happened throughout the weekend. Like at one point, there was a whole lightsaber duel on stage. Like there's all sorts of crazy things that go down. So why don't you guys share the funniest thing that you experienced from this past weekend? Okay, so the convention center that we're at, there's a carpeted floor like this right here everywhere. And my uncle was also there, my dad's brother. And I was in the line getting some merch. And I'm standing there, you know, minding my own business. And I just get tackled out of nowhere by my uncle. And he slams me on the ground and then begins to drag me around. And I got the most carpet burn I've ever gotten in my life. And it, is, it still hurts on my knees. It's so bad. But that, I thought that was funny, though, because it was my uncle. And everyone around us was like, what is happening? He's getting jumped. What is happening? But it was just my uncle and, you know. 
love him, but it's, it hurt a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> My funniest moment was when we were at the mall, um, Braden Whiters put on a pair of women's sunglasses and started salsa dancing around in, in the mall. So. <laughs> One of the most funny moments uh, for me was the two MCs um, that kind of open um, sessions of worship and um, like the main speaker um, had a challenge and almost like a game that they would open up with where they would do these different motions to kind of get you dancing and moving around before the sermons. Um, and it went through this monkey's adventure of having drums, playing drums, breaking the drums, being sad, calling friends, buying new ones. And then out of nowhere, this wasn't planned, someone in a gorilla costume jumps up on stage and starts dancing. Like it was unplanned. I don't even know why you bring a gorilla suit. They brought their own but gorilla they suit. had it. Someone did. Someone brought their own gorilla but suit. It worked. Mm-hmm. And it, it was fun. It was a good surprise. Mm-hmm. I, I totally thought that it was a part of it. I think most people did. And then afterwards, the MCs were like, we don't know who that was. Like, actually, <laughs> legitimately, no idea where they came from. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, lots of funny things. Um, what was your overall just favorite part of the entire CCYC trip? I love hanging out with friends, meeting new people, being in that awesome environment with just so many other like-minded people. Um, but definitely worshiping at those nightly sessions and stuff was just such a surreal moment with so many people. The music was great. Um, the people singing were amazing, and it was just such a good moment to be there worshiping with 1,800 kids around you doing the same thing with the same mindset. So that was, that was really cool. I agree with Jacob. The worship was definitely my favorite part. It's all always like so cool how many kids go up there and just like want to worship God. Mm-hmm. They always have to give like a little warning, like don't rush the stage because the moment the music starts, it's like a tsunami of students just show. running up. They're football players. They're just like tackling people on the way to the stage. It's crazy. Um, I think my favorite part was hanging out with the dudes in my room, like, at the conference and everything. I also learned that Ty Whiters, he loves to get up early, like, really, really, really early in the morning. And I had to listen to him get up. And I'm trying to sleep, but then I have to hear this dude just, like, banging around and doing push-ups on the ground. But, yeah, it was just fun getting to hang out with my friends and getting to learn about Jesus. Of course, of course. So one of the ways that they specifically get to learn various things is through what's called workshops. On Saturday morning, there's like seven or eight speakers who come with a specific message for a specific topic, and the students get to pick two workshops to go to, the ones that interest them the most out of that list. And so why don't you guys share the workshops that y'all went to and which your favorite one was and why? All right, so I went to a guy named Cody's workshop and a guy named Scott's workshop. The one that was probably my favorite was uh, Scott's workshop. So he talked about the best ways to invite friends and other people to church that may not be a Christian or may not want to come to church. Um, But I just thought it was good because he gave me some tools to learn how to go out there to like your job or your work or school or something like that and get people to come to church with you. But I think that was my favorite workshop. I went to a workshop called Social Ministry and um, the same one that Silas went to, Introducing People to Jesus. And my favorite one was definitely introducing people to Jesus because I have some non-Christian friends and I just haven't been able to like introduce them and figured out how to like tell them about him. So 
I went to Sam Asiles, the Cody um, from Roshi, who is a musical band, so he was talking about um, spiritual gifts and using your gifts to bring people closer to God um, and be able to influence people that way, um, and Scotch, bringing people to Jesus, um, and I think that one was really helped me um, get a lot of tools to kind of like go back into the world, um, school and stuff, and bring people closer to Jesus. Um, it was definitely what I needed to hear over that weekend. It was something that I was really hoping to look look forward to um, as I saw that workshop and was looking to get things out of that, and I definitely got what I was looking for from that. That's good. While they were in their workshops, I was walking down the street to get coffee, but I'm glad that y'all <laughs> learned those great things. Um, that's wonderful. Uh, every single year, CCYC does have like an overall theme, and so the theme this year was come and see. And it was based off one of the stories in the gospel where the disciples are talking to Jesus. And they're like, hey, Jesus, where are, you, where are you staying at? And he says, well, come and see. And it's basically this invitation to, hey, come and see what it's like to follow me and to have a relationship with me. So that was like the overall theme. That's what all the main messages were about in the, in the big main sessions and services. So what was like the biggest takeaway or the most important thing that you learned from that overall theme of come and see? For me, I think, um, what was it? I forget his name. Um, uh, Jason. Jason, that's his, Justin, that's Jason. Um, he talked about including um, everyone that you can. Like, no one's excluded from, you know, being able to go to Jesus. And I feel like a thing he came up was a misconception is that if you're imperfect or have problems, you have to fix yourself before you come to Jesus. And he was clearing that up, talking like he had known people that were coming to church and they were like, I'll, I'll come to church, but I got to deal with this in my life first and then I'll be able to like fully focus on that. But a misconception is that we don't need to do that. We need to go to Jesus first and only with that we can fully like deal with ourselves, deal with our baggage and burdens and things like that is taking it through Jesus. So I think that was a big takeaway for me. My biggest takeaway was something that Jason said. He said, with Jesus, you belong. So even if you don't belong anywhere else or people say you don't belong, you always belong with him. Probably um, he was talking about how uh, Jesus and you, you can make circles. You can make circles with your friends. You can make circles with your enemies. You can just have a bunch of different circles around you. And you need to focus on your circle that has Jesus in it. And that circle needs to be big. It needs to bring people in. It doesn't need to be a really small circle with just you and your close friends. It needs to be there so everyone can come in. Because Jesus didn't just hang out with all the perfect people and everything. He went to the tax collectors, the sinners, the haters, everybody like that. He brought them in. And that is uh, what we need to do as Christians is bring people that are far from Christ into our circles so that we can strengthen their faith and um, help them become a better Christian. Yeah. That was probably my takeaway. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. If y'all just go ahead and give it up for my students here. Y'all are welcome to return to y'all seats. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So hopefully, you know, that sort of helped you guys get a little bit of an idea of um, what all happens at CCYC and how amazing it is and why we go every single year so that our students can grow. Uh, but our children aren't the only ones uh, who are impacted by CCYC. Also, our adults are. So if I could have Philip come onto stage, come onto the stage. 
And if you want to grab that same mic there, uh, Philip was one of our adult leaders. And so I would just like to give him a few minutes just to share what your experience is like as an adult leader and how much it impacted you being able to go and, and lead the students. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was tiring. Uh, <laughs> but no, it was great. Uh, these students here, 27, 28? Something like that. Yeah, ridiculous. amount of kids. They're great. Um, I love CCYC. I'm, uh, also, I'm Philip, 27. This is my 13th, 14th? I think it counted. Wow. My 14th CCYC. Um, uh, as a kid and as an adult, I got to go for years. Uh, I got to go from being a uh, kid going to being a sponsor going to being on the playing team to Planet. Um, what's really cool is this this year, I got to go for the first time in two years because I got sick the first time I got something else. Um, but I got to go and see... Not only these kids, um, but I've been in ministry for like 10 years, going to churches from southeastern Virginia to southeast North Carolina. And there's this church that I used to work at um, in Virginia Beach, Virginia, that brought 50 students. Uh, when, we were, when I was there, we were like averaging like 25, 30, so to double that just was already great. Um, and there's two kids that uh, I uh, really poured into. They're Devin and Natalie. They were like this tall. I met them because they were like 10. Um, because I'm short. That's okay. Uh, but what's crazy is I thought that, you know, okay, Devin and Allie, they're good. They're doing stuff in their church. No, they were there at this conference. Uh, Devin was, he was great because he was like this short when I met him. And then he grew like this tall. And I was like, yes, I still, I'm still taller than a kid. Um, but what's crazy is I ran into Devin in our hotel because he, he had the room across from our room. And he's not this tall, which is great. It's okay. It's cool. It's fine. But Devin's 19 now. And Devin came to this conference to watch kids like I watched him grow up. And Natalie, Natalie was this little girl who had this curiosity about singing for God. And I was working with the youth band at the time. And she would come in and sit in our, our practices. And she'd be like, can I, can, I, can I try? And I was like, yes, please try. Please come sing. Like, come, come worship with us. And she grew as she, as she would come and sing, and she grew into a leadership role. I didn't realize that she grew into my leadership role. I used to run the youth band, and now she is running the youth band and, and bringing people in. And that youth band grew from 15 to 30. It is ridiculous. The seeds that I have planted through Jesus in these churches is far more than I thought. Like, it's crazy. Walking through the halls, uh, I could hear, Philip, hey, Philip, you're here. Hey, Philip, hey. And that's, I, this, is, this is what I think. I think that that was my pocket of heaven right there. Because if I, if I can believe that heaven is going to be like that, where I go walking through the hall of heaven and they go, Philip, you're here. Hey, hey, look at this. is what I'm doing with Jesus. This is what I'm doing with my church. This is what I'm doing with my faith. Then I will die happy. So <laughs> that is what I want to see out of these kids here. Ten years down the line, I want to be going to CCYC when it's like 4,000 people. And I want to hear, Philip, hey, hey, I'm from Venture. Hey, I did this. I did this. Cal. What? Yeah, I know. I'm picking you because you're right there. He's also my nephew. It's fine. Cal, I want to see you do things. Savannah, I want to see you do things. All of you. Ty, stop getting up so early, man. <laughs> but it is just an honor to go to these conventions to be able to pour into our youth because they are our future. And they're not our future tomorrow. They're not our future next year. They're our future right now. So thank you for letting me go with your kids. They are fine, I promise. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Awesome. Thank you, Philip.
So yeah, a, a really great time at CCYC and, and all the things that get to happen there. Uh, one of the things that we do that's really cool when it comes to the next generation children, baby specifically here at Venture, is uh, child celebration or baby celebration. I'm not sure exactly what, what we call it. Um, but it happens once a year on Mother's Day. Uh, parents get to come up with you know, uh, a newborn and say, hey, I am committed to like raising my child according to biblical standards and here in Christian community. And it's really awesome. But there's another really cool aspect to it where the rest of the church says, hey, we're committed to doing that alongside you, like to helping you raise your child uh, in such an environment and investing them and pouring into them as if that child was our own. And it doesn't matter that they're not like biologically our daughter or our son. Like we're still going to help you with that. We're going to come alongside you. And so that sort of leads into our challenge for today. And this is our challenge. Identify someone in your sphere of influence that's a part of the next generation. Someone in your sphere of influence. It doesn't have to be your son, your daughter, but someone who's a part of the next generation, a child, a teenager, someone who's younger than 18, in your sphere of influence, and ask yourself the question, how can you invest in them? How can you pour into them? How can you build them up? How can you teach them? How can you encourage them? Because it's important. And let me tell you why it's important. I want to share a number with you. Uh, the numbers, it's, it was a little shocking to me, honestly. It might be to you. It's a crazy number. 936. 936. That's the number of weeks that a child has from the moment they're born until they're 18. So from birth until they're a legal adult, 936. And that, that's shocking to me because that's really so small. Not even a thousand weeks for a child before they're an adult. If we take our children to, to church once a week, then that's only 936 opportunities that they get to hear the word of God and be exposed to truth. If church is the only place that that happens, 936. That's not a lot. It can go by fairly quickly, but like if we think about it, that number should honestly be smaller because like, do babies remember things? Like when's your first memory from? Maybe when you were three or, or four, maybe. But really once you get around the age of like five is probably when you can start recounting lots of things. By the time a child is, is five, there's only 676 weeks left until they're an adult. So again, if they're only getting exposed to God and faith and Christianity at church, that's only 676 chances left before they're an adult, before they're out and about to hear God and to hear the gospel and to hear truth. But let's be real, even out of that number, like, that's the maximum, but we're not going to church every week. Things come up. We do other, other stuff sometimes. Sometimes we get sick and we can't make it. So what is that number really like? Six, 10, 600, maybe? And like, 
youth group is cool, and once they become a teenager, like they can go to CCYC and do stuff like that, but by the time our, our children is a teenager, they only have 260 weeks left before they're an adult. That's at maximum 260 chances for them to go to church. And so if we're just only leaving it up to like Sunday morning and what the pastor says, like that's really not a lot of chances at all for a child to, to grow spiritually. But if we decide, hey, I want to invest in this child on a Wednesday, so they're going to get a little bit of the gospel on a Sunday as well as a Wednesday. Well, that, that number doubles all of a sudden. And we jump from 260 to, what, 520? Well, what if we decide, I'm going to invest in them on a Friday as well. That number triples. I can't do that math that quickly. <laughs> uh, but, like, all of a sudden, our, our students, our children, the children in our communities, they're getting... God and truth and faith and exposure to all of these amazing things so much more. And it's exponentially increasing if we ask ourselves the question, how can I invest in them? And we actually do it. I want to share some examples with us, just so I'm not saying vaguely, hey, figure it out. Uh, one, spending time with that person, that child or that teenager, whoever you can think of, uh, spending time with them doing things that they like to do. Maybe it is going out to eat with them for their birthday. It's going to CC's Pizza with them, right, and having them throw up in your car. I don't know. Maybe it's inviting them over to your house to watch a movie, doing something that, that they enjoy. Now, of course, there needs to be some, like, relationship there. Don't just ask a random child on the street, hey, come inside and watch a movie, right? Like, be smart. But spending time with these students, investing in them. Uh, another example is teaching them the Bible, Again, that's flat out what Moses says, teach the Bible. Yeah, we said that we as a, a church do it, uh, but speaking to parents real quick, like youth ministry is not a thing in the Bible, like it's your job to teach your children the Bible. Um, yeah, we want to come alongside you, but you have to do it at home as well. But even to, to those of us who aren't parents, like you can also just teach children the Bible. When I was in high school, the pastor of our church one afternoon just invited me and like two other teenagers out to eat pizza and to have a Bible study. And it was cool and it worked. And we got to sit there and talk about the Bible. He wasn't our dad, but he taught us that. And it was amazing. Prayer. You can pray for students and they don't ever have to know. Or you can tell them, you can flat out ask them, hey, what are some things I can be praying for you for? But prayer if we're believers and we say, hey, I believe in God and the power of prayer, the power of asking him things, then like, yeah, we should be wanting to do that. Sending encouraging texts, maybe. Just texting someone, hey, Alex, I know that you had a math test today. I hope it went well. Like the, the list goes on and on, guys, but it's important to do these things. We see it's commanded to us. Moses tells us, but also we just understand. I, I feel like on a practical level, like it makes sense. We have to raise up. We have to pour into those who are coming after us. Miss Kathy, she probably doesn't realize the impact that she had on me when I was a child. Maybe she does, but she probably doesn't. She probably doesn't really think about me much anymore, um, but she invested in me. She loved me. 
she poured into me and it made a difference. So guys, let's do the same thing. Let's value the next generation. Pray with me this morning.